0: Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles. I am Scott Wright of the Oklahoma, joined by Nathan Ruiz and Barry Trammell. A trio coming to you after a phenomenal uh, but disappointing bedlam game for Oklahoma State. We're here at Owen Field for our post-game podcast tonight. Uh, 48 to 47 defeat for Oklahoma State. Obviously, the uh, the big two point conversion that was unsuccessful, being the uh, the the critical late play that uh, that t- determined this game. But uh, a lot of big plays, uh, both directions that uh, that had a lot of influence on uh, on getting to that point. Um, we'll talk about a lot of those. Uh, but let's uh, let's let's start with the uh, the two point conversion, guys. Uh, because I'm sure that there are some Oklahoma State fans who were frustrated by the decision to go for two rather than to get the tie and, uh, and try to get to overtime. Uh, but it uh, seemed to me like a smart call the way the uh, offense and defense were playing. A minute three still on the clock if they, uh, they give the ball back to Oklahoma State or to Oklahoma at that point. Nathan, uh, your thoughts on the, uh, the decision by Mike Gundy to go for two there?
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, especially if you compare it to the play last week on fourth down against Baylor. Last week, I thought the decision was good, and then the play call was poor, and then the execution was worse. This time around, I thought the decision to go for it made sense. You're on the road at a top-ranked team, you know, go for the win. Uh, I thought the play call was good, uh, X, flow, river, arrow, or whatever it exactly. is. Exactly. Uh, and uh, but then I thought the execution was poor because Tylen Wallace gets open, and Taylor Cornelius just makes an awful throw. He throws it in the dirt two bodies behind him. Yeah. Uh, really never even had a chance. You, we've seen what Tylen Wallace can do with a chance to catch a football, you know. He called. you know, with with him they're not 50-50 balls. They're 75-25 right. balls, but he never even got the chance to to do that. So uh, uh, the play call was good. The the decision to go for it was good, but they just didn't execute it and ends up with uh, the first one point bedlam game since 1983, so a disappointing one for the Cowboys when they had a chance to lock up bowl eligibility and knock off the Sooners, knock them out of the college football playoff race, and and definitely hampered them in terms of the uh, Big 12 title race.
0: Barry, were you uh, were you at all surprised to see Mike Gundy? I mean, they there was no hesitation uh, from them in deciding to go for two there.
2: Yeah, I mean that's is a clear and easy decision, and we saw it last week in West Virginia, Texas. You know, if the scores if the scores ten to nine defenses have been dominating yeah maybe you want hey let's let's not try to score against this defense west virginia texas it was 41 40 oh osu it was 48 47 offenses have a pretty big advantage so um i didn't think i i didn't think there was anything wrong at all with In fact i think it would have been silly not to go for two you got a chance to you know to to beat oklahoma wouldn't have beat him. You got a minute left. Who knows what would have happened? But you got a chance to take a, a one-point lead on OU with a minute left. I think you'd, you 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 do it. And and uh, Chico's right. Just is a great play, great thing. He just made a bad throw. Threw it at his ankle. You can't. You know they're not playing soccer. You gotta. You know you gotta giving. Get it through it to his hands, not not his feet.
0: And. It's uh, in a, in a way tonight is sort of a, a good representation of what this whole season has been like for Taylor Cornelius, uh, because he played really well, did some uh, really impressive things, and had a a glaring mistake that uh, that that was uh, that was costly at a at a at a really crucial time with a wide open or well, not wide open but an open receiver uh, and and a, a throw that he uh, that he makes uh, pretty often. Um, but uh, final numbers throws for 501 yards, uh, most ever by an Oklahoma State quarterback in the Bedlam rivalry, uh, was uh, was was I thought really good in his decision making for the most part. I, I, he didn't run it as much as I thought we might see. I thought there were a couple of those zone reads that he might keep. Uh, we didn't see a ton of that from him, but uh, but overall, uh, solid performance and that but that but that one play Nathan is going to be the one thing that uh, that his detractors obviously point to and that's uh, this the frustration point for uh, for Oklahoma State fans
1: yeah I think Barry summed it up really well in his postgame column you know that was a play where Taylor Cornelius completes that throw everyone remembers Taylor Cornelius as the guy who beat the number six team in the nation in Norman uh, you know it's a it's a play that could put him in OSU lore and instead, you know, it's just kind of another bad throw in what's been an up-and-down season for Taylor Cornelius. But, you know, only the third quarterback ever in OSU history to throw for 500 yards, not even just talking Bedlam. You know, Whedon did it in 2011. Uh, Rudolph did it against Pitt a couple years ago. But for him to have a performance like this and and to leave this stadium probably with his head down in some ways, just you look at the second quarter, there were a lot of missed throws. OSU had plenty of drop throws. Tyler Wallace had a huge game, but even he dropped a few balls. So... It's uh, it's a day where Taylor Cornelius, you know, had the opportunity to make up for all those missed throws with one throw at the end. and He just couldn't complete it.
0: You know, it's interesting. I uh, I spoke with Josh Fields earlier in the week, and uh, I asked him. Um, obviously, he knew that I was calling him to talk about Bedlam, but I didn't. I didn't mention it until uh, until he did because I wanted to get as honest an answer as possible to the question. Of what do osu fans not people that you know that are close to you but when you run into somebody who recognizes you or, or haven't seen in a while whatever what are the memories from your ou or from your osu playing days football that people want to talk about and he said obviously the bedlam the two bedlam wins but especially 2001 the 16-13 game here when they were a big underdog and uh, and he makes the uh, the two big throws on the the uh, the game winning touchdown drive uh, B- Barry, uh, for an Oklahoma State quarterback, just like, uh, like Nathan was discussing what you wrote, a, a, a bedlam win like this is, is just automatic hero status,
2: isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, um, I mean, people still remember Charlie Weatherby for the 1976 bedlam win. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tony Lindsey beat, uh, uh, he beat the uh Sooners a couple times and but he he's quarterback a really good year of ninety seven, so there's other things. But you know, it's been a disappointing year for OSU football. There's no other way to describe it. And, you know, Corn Dog has been a sort of been a uh a controversial figure with the fans. They want him replaced, most do, and you know, nobody's sitting here saying he's a great player. But, you know, he if he makes that throw tonight and they beat Oklahoma, hey, this is this is a uh uh, a completely different look on his career and, and his season, and you know he, he he doesn't buy any drinks in Payne County the rest of his life. But now you know if he if he wants to go to Eskimo Joe's or or uh, whatever that joint is at outside town where all you OSU grads uh, have a wild time—I forgot the name of it—but anyway, if he wants to go over there, he's he's you know he, 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 it's on his own. So it's just a case of you now just. It's like Mike Gundy. I thought Mike Gundy said it well. He said, you know what? Things don't always, in life, things don't always go the way you hope they do. Tumbleweed. Tumbleweed it is.
0: <laughs> uh, I was thinking El Vaquero. That's the only yeah, uh, I was that's like the like place on the, on the a edge, Mexican edge of town that, that, that I, uh, <laughs> that, that I uh, frequent. So. Um, justice Hill, uh, rib injury. Um, you gotta wonder if maybe that's why we didn't see him a ton on the uh, the final series at Baylor. Um, you know he's uh, he has taken some uh, taking some hits this season. Uh, but uh, four carries early, uh, went to the locker room, came back out, got a uh, got one more. Uh, one more carry and uh, and was very productive, uh, but uh, but left the left the field and did not return at uh, at that point. Obviously, uh, uh, add him to uh, to the top of the list on the ding report. Nathan,
1: I thought it was in- interesting as I think about it. I just thought about this right now. They limited him so much early in the season to have him healthy right. and be able to have these big games. So you kind of sacrifice his carries in that loss to Texas Tech still really in that loss to iowa state you sacrifice yeah. his carries so you could have him for 30 35 carries in these games At kansas oh oh <laughs> uh, somewhere else okay. uh you know in in norman against west virginia you wanted justice hill to average out those 15 carries to where he would be able to to put up big numbers Against OU West Virginia, And I think it kind of speaks. You know, Gundy's talked about it. The the hits that running backs take. Yeah, um, they get beat up. Um, but it's just that Mike Gundy mapped out a plan where you limit Justice Hill early in the season, so you could have him late in the year. And you know, you're talking about oh, well, OSU so might be nine and zero after that three and zero start. But obviously, and obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, but now you look at it. Now they. I mean, who knows what his situation is if he couldn't play in this game. Uh, if they couldn't use him in this game, obviously a lot of that I think had to do with the success Chuba Hubbard was having. Obviously, a great game for him, a uh, big breakout game for him, but it, it leaves you wondering about his availability for next week. Uh, it leaves you wondering,
0: you know, is he going to post on Instagram ever again? <laughs> right? Uh, somebody tweeted at me that, that this must be karma. For, for his uh, his trash-talking on social media, he, he has to get injured and miss most of Bedlam. That's, uh, I'm not that's sure that, that's fair, I guess. how karma works. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, Barry, uh, the first time we really saw... Chuba Hubbard in an extended role. Obviously, this is uh, this this wasn't the '85 Bears defense out there, uh, but a uh, a pretty impressive performance from from Chuba Hubbard, uh, both on the ground and and getting
2: involved in the passing game as well. I thought, you know, I thought the running game held up okay. You know, Yersich or Gundy, one I forgot which one, you know, said basically they they put up a defense to stop the run. Um, makes you wonder why, because they can't guard the pass at all, but um, they still. Well, he was twenty-two carries, hundred four yards, and that's solid football. That's four point seven, and that's not bad, considering you. It's a night when Cornelius throws for five oh one. Right. So uh, I thought Hubbard. Now Hill's a wonderful player, and he would he would make a difference. Would he make two points somewhere? Difference, maybe. But uh, I thought Hubbard did well. And he had some good runs. Now, biggest play of the game before the two point conversion, I thought was his fumble. Yeah. Uh, 41-41, Cowboys are driving. They get inside the 40 of OU, and I think it was a first down play. I can't remember. But Hubbard you know, has a pretty nice run, five, six, seven yards, um, and gets popped really good. Old Neville Gallimore stood him up, and uh, the ball came free, and the momentum switched back to OU, and the Sooners go down for the go-ahead touchdown. That's really the only mark on Hubbard was that fumble. Um, Hill hadn't fumbled since that Baylor game two years right. ago, I think. So uh, Hubbard's fumble sort of turned the tide. Cowboys got the tide back and had a chance to win, but they were looking good. You know you you put this OU team seven points down with five minutes left, six minutes left. And you wonder how they'll respond because you know they really uh, they faced adversity against texas and, and 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 faced it well, came back from twenty one down. But can they? Could they have come back? No, the, the pressure is a lot different when you're down seven than when you're tied with five minutes left in the game.
0: And Nathan, you uh, I know wrote a little bit about this for Sunday's paper, um, sort of comparing the uh, the Justice Hill Baylor game of his freshman year uh, with his uh, his fumbles there to uh, to what Chuba did tonight.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a give and take. Uh, you look at what Justice hit Just, Justice did two years ago in Waco. Uh, rushes for 122 yards in his first career start, and but he fumbles twice, including once, like basically at the goal line, and and what's a OSU opening loss in, in Big 12 play in 2016. And then this year, Chuba Hubbard kind of has his breakout game where, I mean, I, he's had big games leading up to this, but this was in this spotlight, you know, and he's bearing the load of it. so, uh, And then he has 104 yards, catches a few passes, and, and still isn't enough because he has that fumble, and maybe that's what kind of looms over as people look back at, th- at this game and say, oh, yeah, he had that great game, but he fumbled. But it could be the same thing as Justice where we look back and say that was kind of where it started for him. And we, we don't know what Justice Hill's future holds, but there's a lot of thoughts about him being an NFL guy set up to graduate, uh, coming up here soon and being able to uh, get his degree, which is really important to him and his family. And that opens the door for for Chuba, and he gave credit to J D and L D, which we saw L D Brown get to carry for the first time we since did. the South Alabama game. Didn't really see too much of J D King; he was back there turning kickoffs with Chuba, but it it it's, it looks like it's a pretty solid group if you have a guy like Chuba Hubbard heading it, and you hope that the lesson of holding onto the ball, you know, has the same weight with him as it did with Justice Hill.
0: Right, uh, and I can't remember who I heard discussing this in uh, in post game when they were talking to Mike Yursich, but a lot of running backs are going to fumble in that uh, in that situation the the hit that he took and getting twisted popped, around yeah. and uh, it was an awkward play and then uh, uh, gallimore obviously was uh, appeared to be unconscious for a while and was laying on on top of uh, Chew Hubbard's leg, and he was sort of pinned there. And he was in, injured a little bit. He had ice on his knee after the game. Um, a, a strange, uh, strange development there. But it was uh, it was the type of play that it's going to be hard for a lot of running backs to hold on to the ball in that situation. But uh, Hubbard, uh, you know, Hubbard stood there and said, "I've got to have two hands on the ball right there." And um, you know, he's. Uh, He's a, he's a stand-up guy. He's he's I enjoy talking Those to Those Canadians. Him. Those Canadians. Oh, Canada as uh uh who I can't remember now who uh, who exclaimed that uh, during during the game at one point. It might have been Dave Hunziker on the radio uh, cuz I was listening yeah, to I that think, as yeah. well. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Um, he scored three touchdowns. This
1: is another thing we didn't mention. Chuba Hubbard scored three touchdowns. A lot of them out of the I formation. That's right. The I uh, formation was very productive tonight. I we, think uh, it's been productive. Like I think, except for Chuba had that drop in right. the Texas game on that pitch. But beyond that, I'm pretty sure that it's like the, led to a touchdown every time.
0: Yeah. Um. To uh, to sort of round things up real quick on the the ding report, I don't know if uh, you know we didn't ask about J D King, but he did not play a lot after uh, in the in the second half. When uh, when it, we saw L.D. Brown starting to get involved, so uh, curious maybe something uh, that uh, will be worth following up to see what his status is. Um, Dylan Galloway was back at left tackle. Uh, Arlington Hambright and uh, and uh, Shane Richards both uh, missing in action today. And um, was uh, oh I know I know who else I wanted to add to the ding report. Matt Amendola. Uh, I think that his uh, his confidence has been dinged uh he's having a a rough stretch right now missed five of seven uh field goals in the last three games missed an extra point that obviously was uh was crucial down the stretch so uh very interesting situation with uh with him going on right now
2: this is really a um you know this was this is a game that cowboys uh if he makes that extra point cowboys might win at forty nine forty eight yeah now maybe o u goes for two you know, if they're if they're up uh, five, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they score their last touchdown, you never know. But when you score seven touchdowns and the other team scores six touchdowns and kicks two field goals, you're supposed to win by one. Instead, right. OSU, that's exactly what happened. OSU scored seven touchdowns. OU scored six, kicked two field goals. OSU lost by one. Yeah. The main culprit, that missed extra points. So, yeah. you know, that extra points – Extra points matter. One thing about the – you mentioned Galloway and all those dudes on the offensive line. I thought they played really well on the O-line tonight. Yeah. They've been sort of uh, – we've been badgering them all year. They haven't played great, sometimes haven't played well at all. I thought they played really solid tonight. Mostly protected corndog. The running game was solid. Um, I mean, it's not – they're not blocking the Selman brothers. But, you know, still, I thought they I thought they had a very, very solid game. <laughs>
0: You know, Mike Gundy called it their best. Uh, he said he thought it was probably their best of the year, and it's uh, it's hard to uh, necessarily argue with him uh, the way that, uh, that they played. Um, if your quarterback
1: that- threw for 500 yards, your offensive line right. probably had a pretty good game.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely fair. So um, let's uh, let's jump to our uh, our bowl projection uh, segment. Obviously, nothing changed in uh, in terms of that sixth win that is still lingering out there. But uh, give me liberty or give me cheese. It's Nathan. Where are you going right now with uh, with the Cowboys? Uh,
1: I'm gonna say cheese. It's uh, I was trying to think about the rest of the Big Twelve. Yeah, because there's a lot that's of a big teams floating point. around in that four, five, six win range. Uh, Baylor and TCU next week. Uh, Baylor wins um, then obviously they get bowl eligible if TCU wins, then both of those teams are sitting on five wins. OSU playing West Virginia and then plays TCU the next week. Kansas State has a tough it's still capable for yeah. them but uh, they barely got by Kansas, so who knows. Um, but yeah I think OSU when you look at just today's game, when you look at OSU putting up the fight it did here at Owen Field against Baylor or against OU versus what West Virginia did to TCU, you got to think OSU is going to be favored in that game, but based on what we've seen from OSU as a favorite this year, who's maybe they're better off. Maybe they'll pound West Virginia and get spanked <laughs> by <laughs> TCU, TCU. So, uh, but I think uh, right now that's what I'd say. I think they can still uh, they'll get that sixth win. I think this team is is it's been so up and down, but I think if they bottle up part of tonight, I think they'll be fine and get that sixth win somewhere.
0: I think they will as well. Um, I, you know, before uh, during our midweek podcast last week, I said the Armed Forces Bowl, uh, and obviously, I didn't expect them to win uh, here tonight. So I'm sticking with that. I
2: think Armed Forces. Barry, you uh, you have any different thoughts? Yeah. Now here's the key to me: um, OSU's going to win one of these two games, and if they win them both, seven and five, then you know, be Liberty Bowl or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if they end up, let's say they beat TCU, the key is who wins the Baylor-TCU game. If Baylor gets bowl eligible and goes in 6-6, six and six, then I think the Bears are a good po- uh, candidate for that Armed Forces Bowl. Ah, um, yeah. And so that would lift OSU to the Cheez-Its or wherever. Um, but if Baylor doesn't get there and somebody else does, then I think, there's a chance OSU gets p- slotted into Fort Worth, so that's a that to me that's a key. I think most bowls would prefer OSU, um, but if if Baylor's not in the mix, the Cowboys could fall if they get eligible. Could fall to that Fort Worth bowl.
0: Really strange scenario, Barry, that I want to I want to pose to you on uh, on that topic. What if, uh, like Nathan just mentioned, it goes really crazy? OSU gets their sixth win next week against West Virginia, but then uh, TCU manages to get back to uh, to a sixth win. Obviously, the For- the Armed Forces Bowl is in their stadium. Is that at all attractive to uh, to the Armed Forces Bowl folks, or would they rather have somebody coming in? From no, outside? they'd rather have Fort TCU there. They would.
2: Yeah. Uh, the key is does TCU want to go there? I assume right. not. Right.
0: That's not much of a. Oh, I
2: should I shouldn't say that the players would much prefer go to a. You know, if you
0: had the choice of staying at home or yes. going to Phoenix for now, a week, it's yeah. Gary
2: Patterson right. might say, "Hey, let's have a home game. Right. That'd be fun." Yeah. So I don't know who's making those decisions. Um, never had to do it around here. We don't have a bowl game. Oh, you're in OSU. Never had to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I tend to think a lot of uh, the bowls. We've seen it: Boise State in the, in the Idaho famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Hawaii out in the uh, Aloha Bowl, now the Hawaii Bowl um all kinds of situations like that the bowls like to get the local teams um the teams the players generally want to go somewhere else so um i would tend to think uh, a place like the big 12 would probably prefer not to because it's a sign of a mickey mouse deal right yeah i mean if you got a bowl game on somebody's home field that's that's mickey mouse and the big 12 sort of knows it i think they'd probably prefer a Baylor or OSU or k state whoever to be in Fort Worth, but you're right, it's possible. Uh, TCU is not a great bowl team in terms of taking a bunch of fans, right. so it's possible the pecking order would just end up making the Frogs go there. You never know.
0: You know, it, you, it, you, you mentioned the, uh, the, the kind of Mickey Mouse nature of that. It reminds me of when uh, they suddenly decided to start having a bowl game in Boise uh, on the blue turf and Boise seemed to make it every year before they finally made their, their full rise up and, uh, and, you know, got to the Fiesta Bowl and all of that. But, uh, that's what that, uh, that's what sort it of makes me think of. Um... You know, we always reach this point in the podcast where uh, I usually just say, all right, Nathan, what else did I forget? So we're introducing a new segment, the uh, the most important thing that I forgot to ask you guys about during the podcast. It's kind of a long name. But uh, but what else is uh, is out there that uh, that we have not touched on? Uh, maybe receivers? Maybe uh, uh, something defensive? Uh, what the else? The thing
1: that came to my mind was uh, the three words Mike Gundy heard as he walked off the field from OU fans, 2 and 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Gundy now two and twelve in uh, Bedlam games. Lincoln Riley is two and zero. Been a head coach for a tenth as long as Mike Gundy has, and obviously the OU teams that uh, he's faced are generally tougher. Uh, but you look at last year's game. This year, OSU put up a fight. But, you know, Mike Gundy now, 2-12, and and in three of those games, the three highest-scoring games in Bedlam history for OSU, they put up 52 last year, 48 in 2012, and 47 this year, 0-3. So Mike Gundy now, 2-12 in this game, and he, you know, Barry wrote about it, he, him saying just, I think they're good, but other teams have, have found a way to beat the Sooners. So uh, Mike Gundy now kind of – this game doesn't fit the same mold where we've kind of, you know, seen people talk about him uh, – not being as bold, kind of being right. a little more conservative. conservative. This game wasn't that going for it big on the big fourth down catch from Tylan Wallace who we right. can talk about, but going for two but the the record speaks for itself. He's 2 and 12 in this game.
0: Barry, the biggest thing I forgot to talk about.
2: You knew actually played pretty well. I thought is the OU uh the OSU DBs. Yeah. Uh, the defense they've been beleaguered all year, they got torched by Baylor. Uh, they got lit up by a bunch of teams. But I thought they played pretty good today. Marquise Brown got loose on two or three wide open type plays. But for the most part, um, they really covered well. Sooners made some plays in the passing game, uh, some circus catches. C.D. Lamb had a miracle catch on the sideline. Carson Meyer, the fullback, had a great catch. But for the most part, they were really covering the guys. And here's how you know it. Kyler Murray sat back in that pocket a few times. Just sort of sitting there looking for somebody right. to to get to to throw to, and there were there wasn't anybody, and the Cowboys were containing him to some degree, and and then the pocket collapsed. So, I thought that was an encouraging sign because, I mean, the Sooner scored forty eight anyway. Um, so if you uh, if you don't cover well, no telling what they'd score what they'd have scored. So, AJ Green, Roe Williams, all those guys, um. I thought I thought they held up pretty well, and there wasn't a lot of reason for optimism before the game.
0: Sixty-six rushing yards. I, I had uh, intended to look that up earlier on uh, from Kyler Murray, um, which uh, which I would have expected. I would have expected more um, during against, the Kansas
1: State game. I said he was going to run for two fifty.
0: Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's right. But uh, yeah, the scramble game in particular was uh, was not really there yet. He did have a, a couple of big runs um you know whether whether called run plays or or scrambles he uh, he managed to find some uh open ground but uh but for the most part really uh oklahoma state was able to uh to keep things from uh from breaking down around him and uh, and keep him in the pocket when they need it to You've yeah got, uh, it, got a few sacks
1: yeah three sacks from the osu defense and i remember glenn spencer talking about using this term coverage sacks right which is based off not you know blitzing but so much as he doesn't have anywhere to to throw to so he just sits there like barry mentioned he ends up getting sacked on at least two of them maybe all three of them were like that um i couldn't help but think about uh chris riley who i, I wrote about back in june after the mlb draft uh the scout for the a's who scouted Kyler murray and uh, also is an osu baseball alum and every time Kyler murray got sacked he's he's celebrating he, the osu got a sack <laughs> but then at the same time his star player is 4.66 million dollar player just got brought to the ground, so it's right. a give and take. So, But uh, OSU defense adding to that nation-leading sack total, obviously the back end of that hasn't been
0: perfect, but they played like Barry, so they played really solidly today
1: in that secondary given the competition they're going up against.
0: Kenneth edison Magruder uh, getting in on the, uh, the sack game. Um, I thought he played uh, pretty well from, uh, from what I could tell. Um, you know he's been a guy that hasn't been on the field a ton uh, the last couple of weeks you know it looked like he had, uh, had maybe gotten injured uh, a few weeks ago uh, I think that was at Kansas State when he was uh, uh, went off the field for a little while had to, came back with an ankle uh, pretty heavily taped so uh, maybe that had been slowing him down a little bit, and Colby Peel was uh, was was playing at at a you know a better percentage uh, health wise. But um, Magruder, I thought played played really well. Uh, the uh, the guys that uh, that I uh, I think that I forgot to talk about the uh, the most were uh, Tyron Johnson and Tylen Wallace. Yeah, absolutely, Tylen Wallace goes for two hundred and twenty yards on ten catches uh Tyron Johnson goes for uh 112 uh, no. We have a, a We have, a, uh, we, uh, have we have two packets in here right here so we should uh we should, 128 uh, 128 I was close to the new war. Without Without, on 11 catches. Yep. And uh, one for a touchdown. And they threw up the X afterward. That's right. He did. He threw up the X uh and uh, and uh, with some significance. More even more significance than I gave him credit yeah, for. Yeah, you know, he's a New Orleans cat and he, uh, he's a
1: Saints fan and Dez just signed there. Obviously, he uh got hurt, but he wanted to throw it up for Dez. Uh so that was neat. Uh obviously I, he had that probably sitting in the back of his mind throughout the week and he got to deliver on it. OSU answered with that quick touchdown, but you know he has a great game. and He yeah. seems to live for Bedlam two, three, hundred yard games, and now now two of them are in Bedlam. Yeah. Uh, but Tylen Wallace, that like you, you keep thinking oh he's going to hit a wall, someone's going to shut him down, right. gonna, and the SoU defense probably wouldn't be the best ingredient to slow him down. But he just continues to just rack up yardage and touchdowns and big plays. I mean that touchdown uh, at the end of the fourth quarter to to set up the two point conversion attempt. He, he just takes every hit and he catches he had some drops today but it seems like he catches every ball right um he just continues to to put up these numbers you know he pat he's now has the the ninth most yards in a single season in osu history uh we james washington's sophomore season is 12th now so he's uh he's making his way up that list and he's going to be a guy who i think if he continues at this pace He's going to be in that Bolitnikov conversation. I don't know if he's going to win it, right. but he'll be a guy who I could see being a finalist. I think he, he's in the top three or four right now after tonight's game nationally in receiving yards. Receiving yards per game, he's right up there. But he continues to just, game after game, just put up these
0: huge, ridiculous numbers. Yeah, and... You mentioned the drops. He had one one early that seemed to be like it might be might be costly. Had one late that uh, that, that definitely felt like it was going to be a, a costly drop. Um, but his confidence never wavered, and his coaches and teammates' confidence in him never wavered. Like you said, they go, they end up going to him on that that crucial fourth down play to uh, to score the uh, the touchdown that gave him a chance to uh, to, to win the game. So, um, really really impressive season overall from him. I, I wrote about him earlier this week and point out the fact that uh, it seemed at the beginning of the year, like he was going to be a really good number four option for, uh, for this team because obviously they, they thought really highly of him last year. That's why they didn't redshirt him whenever they had James Washington and Marcel Aitman and Tyron Johnson out there in front of him. Um, so they, they obviously had confidence in him last year from, uh, from just seeing what he did in summer and, and August to, uh, to roll him out there. Um, but to see him excel and uh, and surpass expectations the way that he has has been uh, has been pretty crazy. It's uh, the the numbers, uh, you know coming into the game, only four guys in the country had thousand yards uh, receiving uh, to this point in the season. So, uh, pretty impressive what he has done uh, to uh, to this point. Anything else, guys? We, 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 did we touch it all West Virginia next week? Um, as far as I know, at this point, we still don't know kick time. I believe that's uh, that to be the case, and probably not until uh, until Sunday, which is when most people are listening to this, and we'll have already reported it by then. But. Uh, Big uh, big senior day for uh, for the Cowboys, and if they can uh, recapture some of the uh, the homecoming magic from uh, from the Texas game, should be uh, another exciting game next week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know we've we've seen them play better against ranked teams than we have unranked right. teams. So if they bring the same kind of energy and fight, I don't know if it'll be a night kick or anything, but uh, I think based off what we've seen against Boise State, against Texas, against OU, uh, OSU should be able to to be competitive. Uh, I think it should be another shootout just given what West Virginia has done, but it should be a fun one.
0: All right, Barry, thanks for joining us. Uh, For Nathan Ruiz, I'm Scott Wright. We will get more into uh, the West Virginia game in our midweek podcast, so be sure that you're subscribing on uh, Apple Podcasts to get all of uh, the Cowboy Chronicles episodes sent straight to your phone. Otherwise, we will uh, talk to you next time on Cowboy Chronicles.